Love and Life family. Once again, you're listening to Queen Banu, and welcome to the site for the Master Teachers, where we exercise knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, speaking life into our communities worldwide, and hip-hop culture. So before I get started with tonight's discussion, definitely want to talk about the music you'll be listening to tonight. So this is something, once again, I found on YouTube, really cool, dope mix, and this is um, Tripmaster Monk, Not Steady. Zencast Volume 2, Ninja Funk and Gangsta Ballads, Ode to the Brotherland. It's hot. I play this at work with my kids when I'm working with them. And for some reason, this calms them down. When they get a little hype, when they get a little amp, I play this and everybody kind of bring it back. So, yeah. Let me talk to this today. Okay. But well, once again, that's Tripmaster Monk. Not Steady Zencast, Volume 2, Ninja Funk, and Gangsta Ballads, Old to the Brotherland. Found it on YouTube under the heading of 60s and 70s Japanese instrumental cinema funk beats. Really dope. Check it out. So now for today, I guess kind of today it makes sense that I'm listening to this. Because something that I'm going to be talking about tonight is the theory of collective action. And this kind of ties into the previous episodes, what I've been talking about as far as the Phoenix Queens, who are the Phoenix Queens, our mission and vision for the work that we're doing and what we want to see happen in the world and how we want to contribute. Um, Going to that core concept of what the Phoenix Queens are about, our essence and our purpose, right? Spiritual warriors, spiritual healing, all of that tying into spiritual healing, not just on an individual level, but on a collective level within our communities, within all communities, right? And then that growth mindset, that growth mindset, being able to feel like I can do anything. We can do anything. We can accomplish this. We want change in our communities. We can do this and we can come together and get this done. And how do we get that done? For me, everything has to be about theory and practice. Practice and theory going hand in hand. That's just how my brain is wired, which is why I love sociology as a discipline. (laughs) I do. 
And so to kind of understand the theory of collective action before I really go into that, what that is, and break down the steps to it. There's six steps, right? But a little backstory, a little history, or how I even learned about this theory. And it was during a political science course that I was taking during undergrad at Lehman College, right, in the Bronx. And the class I was taking, it was on globalization. And the professor, he was Japanese, right? That's why I said, ah, fitting, right? And if you've ever been in the classroom with me, there are people, I don't know if they're listening now, but if, you know, if you've ever been in the classroom with me, you know my mind kind of goes there. And I have those aha moments where I'm connecting the lesson to other things, you know, and it's just like changes the nature of the lesson in the classroom in that moment and then we just go off and it's just like this boom moment for everybody in the classroom because now we're kind of going with the professor and now we're really kind of pushing him and he's pushing us and she or whoever and we're just this back and forth is much more engaging right so during this one particular class, I forget what it was that I said, but I will never forget what the professor did. He went straight to the chalkboard and he just wrote it out, the theory of collective action. And he looked at me and as soon as he gave me this look and it was like, oh yeah, this is for me. All right, and I pulled out my pen and just started writing it down. And so, sophomore year Lehman undergrad, and after I got this theory and I really looked at it and went home and I looked at it and it was just like, you know what, I'm gonna do something with this. And so me and the fellow students of mine, a couple of my friends at school at the time, we started a student organization. I had this idea of what a student organization on campus could be. Um, we called it Class Action Student Group. And this theory of collective action, this was the core of what our work would look like. I put it in the proposal for what our work would be as a student organization. And then after graduating from Lehman, you know, or even before I graduated, because I was still an undergrad when, when I, you know, when we came together and we founded the Phoenix Queens chapter within the University of Zulu Nation, and it was just like, I took that theory of collective action and then I sat up there and brought that over to this space. That's how important, like, you know, this here is. And so it was like, okay, talk about the work, talk about organizing in a community and, you know, collective work, collective, collective, collective. That word collective kept coming up throughout the discussions so far and it was like you know what let's just give it to them you know so here is the theory of collective action and like i said this is six steps and i'm going to break it down for you really good so that you get it so that you understand it so that you're empowered by it and then you take it if you have a pen you have paper nearby go run real quick and go get it so you can write this down take it back to your peoples take it back to your communities and get together and make some things happen so here we go the theory of collective action step one raising social consciousness 
Remember yesterday how I was talking about that fixed mindset in terms of how we view our communities. This is how things just are. Nothing's ever going to change. It is what it is. It's always been this way. There's no point in it. That fixed mindset. Growth mindset, once again, is looking at the community and being like, okay, we know what the problems are, but we also see the solutions. Part of the solution is to educate people within your community about why certain conditions exist. Policy-wise, socially, culturally, politically, historically, they have to understand why they see the things that they see in their communities. Why are they having these experiences that they are in their communities? They have People have to understand the why. You can't just talk to people and go out to them and talk about, okay, this is the problem and we got to do this. Somebody's always going to ask why. You have to be able to give them a reason so that they can really and truly understand okay so people have that aha moment for themselves right that aha moment that I always had in the classrooms people are out in the streets having that aha moment because their social consciousness is being raised so with that you know how do you get there political education first and foremost knowledge of self history culture everything holistically that raising the social consciousness of the people within your communities. Occupying spaces, the whole classes, so that people can talk. Bringing people in that have knowledge in different areas, whether it be sociology, psychology, economics, political science, history, whatever, people who have who are experts in their field, if you can get a hold of them. And we all know people who are in spaces that are dying to come into the community. And instead of just talking these abstract theories to people who really are not getting anything out of what they're discussing, what they've learned, what they've dedicated their edu education to getting, right? They will love the opportunity to come out into the streets and give that information, that knowledge to the people. So creating those spaces where you have the people that are coming in to raise the social consciousness of the people within your communities so that they can really take the blinders off and understand on a deeper level, a more meaningful level, why things are the way that they are in their communities. Understanding why they see the things that they see. It's not always just that people are just, you know, don't care or not doing anything and things are not, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. Things have always been this way and they're always going to be that way. There's nothing that we can do. No, people don't understand the why behind a lot of the things that they see. And when you have the why, then that kind of opens you up to beginning to see solutions in an organic way coming from the people in the communities themselves instead of other people coming in and trying to put their band-aid on stuff that just doesn't work. Step number one of the theory of collective action, raising social consciousness. Step two, organizing with people of similar interests. You have to find people 
who are interested in the same issues that you are interested in. You have to work with people who are committed to addressing the same issues, the same issues for yourself that you are interested in. That's how you get cohesiveness. It's easier to make decisions. It's easier for everybody to contribute ideas. It's easier for everybody to find their lane and be able to flow within the work that you're doing to address whatever the issue is. Organizing with people of similar interests. Can work if you're, you know, thinking about if your focus is economic equity in your communities. That's what you're focused on. And somebody else is focused on education. Even though the two are tied together, very much so, you know? But that person is only looking at education and you're only really focusing on and you just wanna address economics, then you know what? You two, it's gonna be hard for you two to come on the same page and come together and work. You're coming from two different perspectives about what needs to be done and that's fine. That doesn't mean that you can't collaborate on certain things or anything like that, not at all. But when it comes to doing the work and addressing the issues that you want to address, you have to organize with people of similar interests. That is the only way you're going to be able to move forward with your work and address the issues that you are looking at to address by finding those who also are just as passionate and committed to the exact same things that you are passionate and committed to. Organizing with people of similar interests. Number three, step three, mobilizing resources for collective action. It takes resources to put in work in the community. It takes resources to get things done. And when we're talking about mobilizing resources, money is not the only resource, right? An example I gave earlier, when I'm not talking about raising social consciousness. People are a resource. Sometimes people are your greatest resource that you have access to and that you can mobilize and get together, right? So bringing in people who are experts in their field, right? so that they can give the people in your community the information and knowledge that they need so that they can understand things. Guess what? That's mobilizing resources for collective action. Fundraising and many different ways that people fundraise, you know, hosting events and everything, selling food, making t-shirts and selling them, everything mobilizing those resources, getting resources together so that you have a war chest to work with, whether your resources, people, finances, spaces that you can utilize and go into to host your events, to host your meetings. You understand what I'm saying? what are resources that you're going to need and you have to have people who have access to resources not just people who have similar interests with you like in step two but then people who also have access access to the resources that you are going to need mobilizing resources for collective action 
Step four, strategizing a series of increasingly decisive collective actions. Very important. So if economic equity is what we're fighting for in our community, right? For an example. So that means what type of classes are we going to host for the people? How are we going to advertise and get bodies inside the space that we're going to use? What space are we going to hold? How frequently are we going to hold these classes? You understand? Um, what type of information do we want to give people? Are we going to start like step by step? What are we going to do? Is it first off understanding finances and financial literacy? Step by step, what it is that you're going to do that builds up to what your larger project is going to be. Being strategic as far as who else are you going to collaborate with that's going to give you space within their work and within their movement or whatever for you to come on board and kind of put it out there what it is that you're doing. This is our focus. This is what we're doing. And this is how we're going to get it done. And having it mapped out in a way that is concrete and understandable, where you can communicate it well, so people understand and feel exactly where you are coming from, and they see that you actually have a plan, that you're not just pulling anything out of the air. You actually have a plan on how you're going to get there. This is how. We're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. Everything mapped out to the T how you're going to get your work done. Strategizing a series of increasingly decisive collective actions. Step five, take a decisive political action. People hear political and then they get scared because a lot of people don't want to deal with politics. They don't want to deal with addressing politicians or even getting anywhere into that whole and it's a misconception that breeds that fear because at the end of the day guess what if you decide to wake up in the morning and breathe and be alive and go to the bathroom and brush your teeth and wash your face and get dressed and put on your shoes walk out your door go to work you understand? Put in the work that you need to, put in your time, and then come home. Help your children with your homework, with their homework, part yourself. You know, read a book with a story with your children. Put them to bed. You know, you made them dinner, you put them to bed, make sure they clean themselves up. All of that, everything that you do is political. Your body, yourself, you are political. Everything on a political level affects you policy wise economically wise socially culturally historically all of that all of those social spheres of how our society is set up it affects you you yourself are politi political but every decision that you make and how you choose to live your life is a decisive political action that you are taking every single day. So you don't necessarily have to 
get into the political arena to make a decisive political action. Mm-mm. Taking a decisive political action means this is the square that we are standing on and this is what it is that we're doing. So it's that first step that you do it's stepping out and getting that work done. Stepping out and creating visibility for what it is that you are going to do. That is what a decisive political action is. Making that step to say, okay, we done strategize, we done raise social consciousness, we done got the people that we're going to work together, we have the resource and everything that's needed, we mapped out how we're actually going to attack this work, and now taking that first step forward out to be seen and to be heard. That is what it means to take a decisive political action because you understand that every single day of your life, everything that you do is very much political. Whether we are consciously aware of it or whether we are not, every day we are making decisive political actions. As soon as we step outside that door, you are on the political stage. And that's where the raising, step number one, raising social consciousness, becomes important so that people understand that. So then they sit up there and they put more thought into the the choices that they make and the direction that they take their lives, right? Take a decisive political action. That is step number five. And step number six explains, lets me go into why this theory of collective action spoke to me so much. It got to the heart of me and it was just something that I just could not let go of. So no matter where I'm at or what type of work that I am doing or how I'm structuring things or whatever, as far as a theory for how to get the work done. This is it. You understand? And this is what I've I got a hold of and I'm taking it with me wherever I go. Because step number six is repeat. There are a lot of theories out there about collective action and how people can come together and get the work that they want to do through organizations and everything like that. And it gets to a point where people's work gets stuck. The work gets stuck and stagnated because where is the that directive that you have to keep going and that you don't just stop like once you've accomplished this, that you don't stay stuck there. Now you find something else. You move on to another challenge. You move on to another issue, something else that's going on in your community so that you stay relevant. And that whole step number six, repeat, spoke to me because it was like, oh my gosh, that's right. You keep it going. You address one thing, now move on to the next. You address one thing, you move on to the next. So right after step number six, guess what? You got another issue you're looking at? Raise the social consciousness of the people in the community about this next issue that you're looking at. Begin to organize with people of similar interests pertaining to this next issue that you are looking to address. Mobilizing resources for collective action for this new issue that you are addressing. Strategizing a series of increasingly decisive collective actions for this new issue. Take a decisive political, political action once again, for this new issue, and then repeat the process all over again. 
never stop. You never stop. And that goal ties into that growth mindset on a collective level that I spoke about yesterday. You know, being able to sit up there and say that I know that this is going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a lot of hard work. But I am committed to putting in the time necessary. I am committed to learning what it is that I need to learn. I am committed to putting in the effort and the hard work. So that this gets done. And this theory of collective action, okay, everything, repeat, step six, repeat, and you keep going there again. And every time you get to step number six, repeat. If you're trying to even build more on an existing issue that you're already working on, come at it another way. So what through a new lens to look at the work that you've been doing already. Have we done enough? to raise the social consciousness of the people we're trying to help and serve. Do we need to go out there and find more people who have similar interests so that we can bring in fresh ideas and newer ideas so that the organization stays relevant and current and needed and visible? What can we do to bring in and mobilize the resources that we need for the work that we want to do? What else can we sit up there and bring in? Who else can we bring in? What are other spaces that we can work with to open the door for us to sit up there and use as a platform, you know, until you get your own space, you understand? Mobilizing resources for collective action. How else can we strategize, you know, kind of rethink our work and look at some new ways and new ideas that we can really sit up there and map out a new game plan for how we are going to sit up there and attack our work, strategizing a series of increasingly decisive collective actions. And then with this new or existing issue that we are attacking and addressing, right? The visibility of what it is that we're doing, taking that decisive political action. And then once again, step number six, repeating the process. Repeat the process. You don't let up because the system is not letting up on us. So in our work that we do, we cannot let up. We have to be just as hell-bent, you know? Yes, hell-bent, I said that. We have to be just as hell-bent on getting this work done, bringing change into our communities in a way that is concrete and doable, not something that is just abstract and out there in the air and people really don't even know what you're talking about. They're hearing your, word, your mouth moving, but there's no understanding of what exactly it is that you're doing or how are you different than this and that or anything like that. What is really different about what you're doing? Why should we sit up there and buy into the work in your organization and what it is that you're doing? Having a theory behind your work helps. 
So you can have an idea and you can have a theory about what it is that you're creating this entity. Right? Just like I had have a theory of what the Phoenix Queens is, right? I have a vision of what the work is. I had a vision of what the mission is. Vision and mission, right? All of that is there in terms of the Phoenix Queens and who we are and what we're about and what our purpose is. But when it comes to the work of the Phoenix Queens, what is the theory behind the work that we are doing? You have an idea of the work that you want to do, but how are you actually going to get it done? How are you going to go about it? So that what you're saying and what you're communicating to others and what you're talking about when you're explaining who you are, who you represent, and what it is that y'all are here to do. Guess what? You're not sitting up there and just rambling on and rambling on and talking about problems and problems and problems and problems and problems. We know what the problems are. Everybody knows what the problems are. So can we get to a point to what are the solutions are? What are your solutions? What are you bringing to the table? What are we supporting? The work has to elevate to that level. You have a lot of organizations out there doing amazing work. But this can be done on an organized organization level. And this can be done on an individual level. However you structure what it is that you're doing. Please always have a theory to the work that you're doing. A theory that guides your work. That you can go back to. And you can check off and make sure that you are still on point. That your mission and your vision and your principles about who your what your organization is, that everything is in alignment with the work that you are here to do. And that's why I felt that it was important after the first three episodes to really get into you know this theory of collective action and communicate that and what that is so that people can be better practitioners at the work that they are doing in our communities because a lot of people have amazing ideas but you know they need that structure for their ideas so that they can truly make an impact within our communities and if this theory right here doesn't necessarily speak to you, all you have to do is a Google search and look up collective action. What is collective action? There are many different theories out there floating out there. This is just one that I fell in love with because for me and who and how I am, it had repeat in it that you don't stop, that you keep going. You know, I puffy say, can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> well, guess what? Let's take that can't stop, won't stop attitude. <laughs> you know, that title from that Jeff Chang book. Hey. <laughs> you know, repeat, repeat, repeat. Because we can't stop and we won't stop. We can't stop bringing change to our communities. We won't stop bringing change to our communities. We are committed to doing this work 
And we were going to, how I say, forever forward. And that's what it is. So that's why it's very important, that growth mindset, being able to sit up there and be like, you know what, we're not stuck in the problems. We see solutions. We see the possibilities. And we're going to embrace them. Taking chances and being bold. And standing firm on your square about the work that you are here to do. Regardless of whoever or whatever. Collectively, we can get it done. And this that I gave you today, the theory of collective action, this is one of many ways that we can get it done. But guess what? It always helps to have a theory behind the work that you are doing. Your work is your practice. Practice should be guided by theory. It should be grounded in theory. And your theory should be tweaked and challenged by what you learn in the process of doing your practice, doing the work. So that you can adapt where you need to adapt things, keep things the same, see what works and what didn't work. Toss aside what didn't, build on what did, and then bring in fresher ideas, get a different perspective. But you have to really be doing the work and you have to really be committed to doing the work. And you have to have an open mind and you can't sit up there and be stuck in this one way of doing things. Because sometimes theories and practices get outdated too. You understand? So being able to be open to new ideas. And that's why I like this. It says repeat because it doesn't mean that you just stay stuck with here. That you repeat it because once you repeat a process, you're, you're always going back at over what you have already done. That's a part of repeating something. You gotta go back and look at what it is that you have already done and then how can you improve on that? Look at what was done, take out what didn't work and keep what did work and then sit up there bringing whatever pressure and no ideas that you have that other people that you have organized with who have similar interests. Ah, step two, right? <laughs> but yeah, you know, theory and practice. Let's not forget that. Theory and practice. Very important. So real quick, before I end this, because I don't want to end up going off into the ether, talking about some other stuff, I like for these you know, discussions to stay focused on the topic. I don't have to be long-winded, you understand? Short and sweet and straight to the point. You understand? That's how I like it to be. So that's how you know that the information that you're getting, you actually get something out of it. You don't have to be waiting and trying to sift through anything. Nope, you're getting it straight off the bat. This is what it is. Broken down, outlined, and here you go. So once again, I'm going to just name those six steps for you again. This is the theory of collective action. Step one, raising social consciousness. Step two, organizing with people of similar interests. Step three, mobilizing resources for collective action. 
Step four, strategizing a series of increasingly decisive collective actions. Step five, take a decisive political action. And step six, repeat, repeat the process. And that's it. That's the theory of collective action. So take this information. I hope you had a pen in hand and paper and you wrote this down and broke it. I broke it down each step for you. Take what you can use and then just go out there and just put in this work in our communities. And I'm looking forward to seeing these little things of change popping up everywhere, these programs and these everything. I'm excited because I know that there is at least one person out there who's going to take this and who's going to run with it. Just like when I was in that classroom and my professor wrote this out on that chalkboard. I was one student that looked at that, got that information, wrote it down, and then took it back and incorporated it in everything that I do. The theory of collective action. So once again, this is Queen Banu, and as always, wishing you all peace, love, and light and continue blessings. And of course, you know I gotta say it, if you want more information about the Phoenix Queens, please check out our website at phoenixqueensofthenation.com. And if you wanna get in contact with us, shoot us an email at phoenixqueensofthenation at gmail.com. Peace, love, light, and continue blessings to all of you. Peace. Thank you.